Welcome to Brand Me. I'm Preston Conrad, and on this show, we'll talk all things branding, from launching a product line to owning your side hustle. We'll talk to the movers, the shakers, the thought leaders. What do you say we finally stop focusing on brands X, Y, and Z and focus on brand me? Let's start the show. Hi, guys. I am so excited for today's episode. Today, we are sitting down with Matt and Enrique of the brand Fine and Dandy. Fine and Dandy was originally launched as a D2C men's haberdashery brand uh, online and then moved into becoming a retail store in New York City on 49th Street, which is now expanding into its second retail location with a new diffusion of their brand. And and Matt and Enrique and I, we really get into discussions about how to protect your brand integrity as you grow and how to know when it's right to move into the next phase, how to know, for example, when to move from an online brand to an IRL brand and how to protect different parts of your brand in that expansion. Um, I think you'll find their conversation inspiring, personal, and there's a lot to learn from them about why being uh, nice, kind, and approachable really creates a community and a sense of loyalty amongst your followers, your customers, and your brand in general. So uh, I can't wait for you to hear Matt and Enrique. Uh, Let's start the show. Today's episode is brought to you by my brand, Preston Conrad Home. Living a stylish life does not have to be overly complicated or expensive. The magic of home decor is really made through the fun finishing touches, which quite too often come with big box middlemen and luxury brand price tags. With Preston Conrad Home, everybody can now inject major style into their space with minimal effort and no furniture shopping required with our new luxury home fragrance collection. Just in time for fall, you can choose from five stunning luxury candle scents, all made in America, or our new hand wash collection, both of which will instantly transport yourself to another world while transforming your space at the very same time. As a listener of today's show, you can take 10% off of your purchase of any single item on Preston Conrad Home using the offer code BRANDME. That's PrestonConradHome.com, offer code BRANDME. All right, everybody, I am joined by Matt and Enrique of Fine and Dandy and Fine and Dandy Throwback. That's your newest edition. Guys, how's it going? Hey, Preston, how are you? Hello, hello. Neighbor, how are you? Good. I'm good, neighbor. Yeah, for for everybody listening, and we'll get into this in a second, but Matt and Enrique are the reason why I have my studio on West 49th Street in New York City because they are located just down the block from me with their now two establishments, Fine and Dandy and Fine and Dandy Throwback. That's How's right. it going, guys? It's it's great. It's been a whirlwind of a, a few weeks. Um, at, as you just mentioned, we we now have a second shop, which kind of came into being in in less than four weeks. We decided to to kind of pursue this additional space next to us, and uh, we it's kind of shocking how quickly we kind of turned it around and opened a second store in less than a month. And- I'm su- yeah, I surprised myself because normally <laughs> with merchandising, well, it takes me like forever. So as a fellow creative, I get the struggle. You're always wanting to perfect it and spend more time than you should be doing certain things to make it perfect. Right. But everything you do is beautiful. I mean, your, your brand, Fine and Dandy, you launched before you had a retail boutique, right? You guys opened essentially right. as a D2C brand. What was it, 2008? 2008, yeah, yes, we you know we both had other careers. I was managing Broadway theaters, um, Enrique that was, was in, wor- in fashion retail. So, 
and we we were kind of looking for a little side sort of creative thing and um we it was sort of the 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 beginning heyday of hashtag menswear the beginning of e-commerce and we just had this idea let's try something that's small that we can operate out of our apartment and um yeah shockingly it's sort of snowballed to what what it is today so when you started in 2008 i know i, I know you are i own many of your ties many of your pocket squares <laughs> many of those kind of fine and dandy owned op items but is that what you when you set out to launch the brand online with findanddandyshop.com is the website right find and dandy shop correct correct what was what was the the assortment then like in 2008 like when you launched what was on there Completely different, right? I mean, first well, we, we weren't the core items, but we weren't actually making our own stuff then. Actually, got it. Um, Initially, the idea was to curate um, a collection of other brands. So it was the ties and the bow ties and the pocket squares and the cufflinks and whatnot. But um, we, we, it, w- it wasn't until a little bit later that we started producing um, our our own collections. But the, I think the main thing that we wanted to um, create was sort of um, a place where we can offer something kind of, a, you know, accessible. Uh, I think at that time, things were kind of getting expensive. You know, everything's made in the USA. This almost this elitist, you know, hashtag menswear, um, you know, during the pop up flea was, was still happening at that time. So we wanted to have something a little bit different, you know. Uh, curate stuff that we love, um, makers that we love. Accessible, accessible, Ex- accessible price. And point. I think we we even started at one point. Everything was under fifty dollars, which was crazy Amazing. to think back. I mean, yeah. you guys have always had such a, even to this day, have such a fair price point. And and the world of haberdashery that you created, both with your own products and your careful eye that you've curated of other products is always at such a fair price. And I know what you're saying about 2008 was kind of like J. Crew was really happening then. The menswear boom was really happening, but things were yeah. a bit more expensive. So you guys came, you found your niche from a brand point of view with a great price point and a nice tight edit. And when did that snowball into when you guys being like, you know what? We're going to make our own ties and everything. When did How did that come about? Because those are the products I love. I covet in my closet of yours. I think it's a trade show and just meeting the right manufacturers. Right? Yeah, right. Right from the from almost the beginning at the trade shows, we started to to meet some manufacturers. And it was a, a tie manufacturer that was private label that we said, oh, we oh, OK, wait a second. We could do something under our own label. And we quickly went to the garment district and found a label maker to yeah. to produce a label for us. And that kind of snowballed from rather than private label, actually find a manufacturer that would produce our own collection from our own fabrics. Um, it, it, it's it's it, it isn't a an immediate light switch. There, there were so many progressions along right. the way of, you know, and we felt like all of these manufacturers, there are these manufacturers that still exist, but there are all these there's they're they're secretive so it was, right it's like a kind of a little family actually the whole like trade show experience was kind of um i was gonna ask you about that the trade show experience so for people listening you know i just went to a trade show a private label kind of personal care beauty home trade show at the javits center but i think a lot of people listening maybe are unfamiliar with that world but it really for people like us it is pandora's box right essentially so what what is that experience like for you um and what kind of insight it can you give scary. on trade shows well and it's changed right i mean we were blind right our first trade show you talk about you. The, the, the first one i remember we went to um we, we had no idea what we were doing i mean we we we, we made up business cards our, our friend designed a business card for us but we felt like we were kind of playing because like you know here we are you know we, we would we would go into a booth and 
you know, talk to the vendor and they'd ask where our store was. And we said, well, we don't have a store yet. We're about to have a store, but it's an online store, not a brick and mortar store. And some of these, you know, grisly old vendors were like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, right. yeah, we were very young compared to all the attendees that we found that it was sort of like, you know, we felt a little kind of out of place. We felt very I out of place. A lot of garmentos, that kind of garmento feel, those old school guys, yeah. you know, um, that have been in the business a million years. And also this is pre-D2C boom, right? This is pre-Warby's and Casper's and and that whole bit. So you're probably like, they're like, online store. What are you doing in my booth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, there, were, there were so many booths that I, I don't want to say they kicked us out of the booth, but basically no. they, yep. they just walked away from us. And yep. <laughs> there are a few core vendors that, you know, were happy to have the conversation with us and, and, you know, we're, we're kind of with still with some of them today. And, you know, that's really made, made the difference for sure. So from landing your manufacturers, developing your own products, which by the way, I imagine as two creatives with insane taste must've been like the craziest conversations, like between the two of you, like we have to stop yes. making, t- like we can't have 9 billion ties yet. We can do these 10 or we can do like, how did you work on keeping the brand tight? Cause I know me, like my business partner is always like, Oh my God, stop. We're not making 10 more product lines right now. Like we do these, we're doing candles and we're doing this. Like, how did you keep it restrained, but kind of grow and develop your DNA at that time? I mean, it's, it's an ongoing thing. I mean, every time we we put together a collection, it's, it's the same thing where I say, okay, you know what, this, this season, I think we should do 12 styles of ties. And we, you know, we, we have all of our fabric swatches um, on on um, index cards and we kind of lay them out and we do the first pass where we want to use this for ties, this for bow ties, this for pocket squares and, you know, this for scarves. And th- after that first pass, there are 80 swatches for ties. And it's like, OK, <laughs> let's whittle it down. Let's, we, you know, we're not we're not going to do it. And it's you got to just tire him out. Like, and, and, I, you, and know. you know, like, you know, you have to overwhelm that's late night. Okay. Let's do this right now. There are so many times when it's like we, rather than 12, it's 16 because I'm just tired and I want to go to bed and totally. I, and I, I give up, but um, no, it's, you know, it's an ongoing thing of, of, you know, what, what are we putting in the collection that is the attention grabbing, really interesting piece? What are we putting in the collection that's commercial and we're going to sell out easily? Cause it's, you know, a, a beautiful blue, you know, um, uh, herringbone tie that of course mm-hmm. you know every man wants a beautiful blue herring herringbone tie in their collection so it's it's just kind of finding that balance and you know some seasons we do we do better and and sometimes you know some seasons it's like you know what we we did these two three ties that are probably too similar we should have saved this for next season and so it's, it's it's ongoing and part of the fun is sort of learning along the way to be honest i just want to add like there's there is an advantage that there there is like two of us you know i don't know how you know people that are doing this on their own i reel them in you know do this <laughs> do, do this i rein them in own. i rein them in you know yeah, like, mean, it's kind of nice to balance <laughs> each other's ideas and you know we have very different kind of viewpoints so do you kind of see yourself straddling the line of creative and commerce between the two of you you found your little niche like Person X is worried more about the business side of things. Like you said, the commercial, like we know a pinstripe will sell. Let's do three extra pinstripes versus the creative of what well, I just want to create this dream and I want to, the brand to flourish. Like how do you kind of navigate the creative commerce balance between the two of you? I, I mean, there, we do have those types of roles, although it yep. sometimes drives me crazy that people 
well, like peg me as like basically the accountants and I just sort of sit, you know, and it's like, no, I, 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 do, I do, you know, I, I am a creative part of this business as well. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, we share roles, but then we also definitely have, he's you know, our a little more creative, you know, a little more business. Yeah. Um, I for sure totally. tend to numbers and forms. So that's all. Oh, me neither. <laughs> you should see my, uh, my P and L sheet. It's like, <laughs> it's like a uh, handwritten and, uh, it's now gotten into fancy Excel format. But I think, <laughs> I think what's awesome is that, cause I remember I, I went into your store. I want to say it was like 2013, but I think the big, especially for what's happening right now, post COVID retails, having a moment again, big brands like Glossier even are getting deep into bed with brick and mortar again going from two locations to signing multiple leases all over the country. When did you know that it was time for Fine and Dandy to go from .com to 49th Street? And how the hell did that happen? Because it really is a world that you've created there. And I think you guys, as a New York small brand, were, to me, a frontier in that of building a, a lifestyle out of the blue, when did that light bulb go off and kind of how did you navigate that? So, um, as you said earlier, we, we launched online in 2008. In 2010, we said, okay, let's, we should do a pop-up shop. So, um, we, there was this new funky bar on the Lower East Side called Blind Barber. And we said that we should try to figure out some way to do a a pop-up shop with them. And one day we just kind of walked in the door and, mentioned it to the a barber and he said oh well the owners and actually at the bar why don't you go sit and talk to him we walked in we kind of gave our pitch amazing guys yeah cool guy and he was like yep let's do it and we said oh my gosh it's that easy okay so we we did our first pop-up shop at the blind barber uh the holidays around the holidays of uh of 2010 and immediately there was this light bulb that went off that after two years of selling online actually having customers stand in front of you and having a conversation with them and seeing how they're interacting with the, with the, the product, there was just nothing like that. That's you, you can't, as much as you try, you can't get that from online. And so we said, okay, we need to be doing as many pop-up shops as we possibly can. So we, we were doing pop-up shops at other stores. We did the Brooklyn flea once a month, once every couple months, we did it as many times as we could have an in-person shopping experience. We did that. And then, um, was the Chelsea? What were sales like? Like, were, were you noticing? Obviously, not giving. You know, were you noticing? Oh wow! Um, in person is maybe outperforming online, or, or this style does better in front of a human, or maybe were there learnings right away? Yeah. Sales were huge. I mean, uh, yeah. we got our first wholesale order. We right? got our first wholesale order. But I mean, selling in person, you know, the it, because it was it was right then, right <clears> there. <throat> people paid. Yeah. They walked away, and and sales were great in person. Um, but, but it was, it was, we did our, we did that, the Chelsea market, um, pop-up shop, um, holiday, the one on the 10th, holiday. like the 10th Avenue side, the one that has like all the amazing makers there. No, it was pre that it, it was yeah. called oh. Jingle. Jingle. It was oh. like 2010, no. 20, 2011. 11. And, and I got 10 years. That was, yeah, that was, um, <laughs> such a cool experience. And we were there for a week and, and that we were like, okay, it's time we start looking for a, a permanent space. We, we kind of build it out and people were like, 
this is great, but where's your real store, right? Th- th- those were the, the most common kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Like people thought we actually exist somewhere and were like, kind of got us thinking like, oh, is this possible? You know? Well, I think also people probably thought, I mean, your branding, like your logo itself and, and the labeling, um, has, that, that's been the same since the beginning, right? That's been yes. your, cause I think it looks so polished. Um, and this is a branding podcast and I think people, you should obviously go check out fine and dandy on Instagram, um, and look at what I'm talking about. But I think that's probably why they were asking, okay, cool. Where's the store, right? There's a very rough Lauren sensibility to it. It's modern. It's chic. So did you field enough of those questions? And you were like, I guess we should go look for real estate right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, d- definitely. I mean, it, it was sort of this, yeah. like it was, it would definitely was an aha moment. And, and I remember shortly after that, we were sitting um, at a little ice cream shop on 47th between 10th and 11th. Um, and across the street, there was an empty storefront. And I looked we at that talk- storefront. Okay. The so old we glass we'll one that. there. I've looked at yeah. it a million times. I always yeah. wanted to put something there because I used to live and on that still block. Empty. It's still empty. It's still yeah. empty. Oh it's still empty. But, but we started, we started talking <clears throat> to the owner of the ice cream shop and he said, yes, you know, we looked at that, but then we settled on this place. You should talk to them. So that didn't work out. But then that started the process. Then we were like, okay, this is, this we're is happening. Yeah. And, and we, oh, there were a couple other spaces that didn't quite work out. We, we actually were about to sign the lease on a space in Chelsea that that kind of fell apart. It was across from Barney, Barney's co-op. Then. Which is and we were like, oh, this I would be amazing. That that's like a mattress firm now. No, it's room and board now. The, where the I, I remember it's something furniture, but that's a great block too. Okay, you've li- you were living in Hell's Kitchen at the time, right? We we yeah. were, and and we sort of loved. You know, I, I I've been in the neighborhood almost twenty years, and I, I've loved to see. I've loved seeing how it's evolved, and I really. I, I I loved the idea of opening our shop in the neighborhood, um, and I I was I spent the, the tricky thing is that these little spaces that we're in often aren't advertised. Mm-hmm. Often brokers don't have them. It's really just about knowing someone and you know getting a referral. And I used there were, I would walk like every block every day just like looking for spaces. And I I kept walking past the space and it looked empty. And I was determined to figure out what was going on here. And after walking past every single day for a month, I, I saw the super cleaning out front and he introduced me to the landlord and it just kind of, you know, went up, went so good. from there. And, and it was just sort of this like, like stupid, weird determination, um, being a little <clears throat> obsessive about finding it. And it just kind of happened. When you found the space, did you feel like there was an instant unlock for because when I launched my brand, I felt like I and um, we we constantly are changing the website and, and playing with the design. But I felt like as a retail guy at heart, I was like limited to the constraints of the four walls of the website where I feel like I couldn't fully express who I am as a brand without having people touch it and see it. And did you feel like when you got the space, you're like, OK, now our brand can come to life. Like, did you feel like there was a big unlock there from 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 that point of view? Without a doubt. I mean, I, yeah. if anything, I feel like... We basically brought what we did put up in Chelsea Market. I mean, we still have the same bookcase. We have the yeah. same kind of styling, right? Uh-huh. But I, 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 as much as I, you know, we've worked very hard to improve our website over the year, over the years, I, I feel like we excel 
in in the the tangible brick and mortar more so because yeah. um, it, it is a it is a more of a tangible brand. Um, so without a doubt, walking in that door and being able to create in the brick and mortar, there, there was nothing like it. What kind of um, you know you guys opened up relatively shortly after finding the space. Um, it's merchandised beautifully. You guys have to if you're in New York City, you have to visit it. It looks like this men's haberdashery closet of your wildest dreams. Just discovery points every five seconds. But what are what were some of the biggest challenges you felt going from D to C to IRL? Because I know a lot of people, I get messages all the time being like, oh, I've got a little X brand and I want to open up a shop in my hometown and I'm too nervous. We have full control online, blah, blah, blah. And there's obviously challenges. What what were some of the, maybe from like maintaining the brand point of view or keeping the business on the tracks and not going crazy? What were some of the challenges you ran into when opening up the space? I mean, I know retail has its own challenges just from a store owner point of view that no one thinks about, but what kind of stuff did you run into? I think maybe the main one for us was just like inventory management, right? Because, you know, we have only a certain amount, maybe limited to five ties. And if we were to sell quantity, oh yeah, say five uh, quantity of one style. But, you know, if we sell all of that for one wedding, we got to make sure right away we we take it offline. Like, you know, Inventory management we didn't between have the that. two has always been a challenge. Yeah. And, and for a long time, we kept two separate inventories. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because we were so afraid of selling out, um, you know, in, in shop and then, you know, and then selling it online and then having to tell a customer that we screwed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's happened yeah. every now and then over the years, but that's not not a fun thing. And um, also, for example, sorry, um, if we have like one left, right, where do we put it? Do we put it online or is it going to sell better here? Like... <sighs> Right. And then we found and, a system and that- in, a, in a different, in some categories, they sell better online. So it's better if we leave it online in some categories, it's better in, in the brick and mortar. And, and you know, in the pandemic, <clears throat> since the pandemic, we've, we've been a little bit tighter with product as, uh, as far as quantities. So whereas in most cases we keep separate um, inventories, it, it's, it's tough when we sell out of something or we are down to one product um, very quickly. Right. So, yep. so now I've come up with a system where if there's one left, I keep it online, but I have it on the floor, but I have a little tag on it so that I know. And it's, <laughs> it's just like these stupid little things that I'm trying to keep yep. track of. It's a little bit tricky, but right. we find a know, way you, you make it work. Out, yeah. Do you find that you share the same customer from a brand point of view from .com to your store? Or do you find that they're kind of their own little worlds? Like would someone say, Hey, I bought this online and I came in to grab X, Y, Z, or do they kind of live in their own buckets? I, it's I, all over. I feel like our customer base is so varied. Like, you know, you would think it would be one thing that people want to dress up, but like, we, we have mm-hmm. tons of people who walk through the door and say, "I've been buying for you for twelve for twelve years, and this yeah. is my first mm-hmm. time in your shop." Yeah, we have wow. tons of of people who you know happen to be in New York City. They happen to walk past. They come in, they love it, and then they become regular online customers when they go back home to Idaho. And you have so, like a four year old that collects bow ties and like you know brings in mummy. You know, the so cutest. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's both. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, there, I'm, I'm sure that there will have tons of customers who will never actually meet in person and they're, they're loyal online customers, but um, you know, it, it is great when we can, we can have both. Yeah. I mean, speaking of loyalty, I think that's something you guys have a really, like you've done a really nice job of, of, of I always use this phrase, humanizing the hardware. I mean, it, First of all, because you're there, right? So people can come in and they can meet you. You're the owners of the business. They can understand your passion for it. How do you protect 
from a brand point of view, customer loyalty in this store? I mean, um, is that just really about like relationship building or is there, is it about new products? Is it about marketing emails? I mean, how do you, cause I would say you have a pretty loyal fan base. I see what people post on Instagram. They're always tagging you. They're obsessed. With you. <laughs> you know, we to be honest, we actually really don't think about it like that. I think yep. it's just like, if you, if you come in every day, just do the best and, you know, um, be available to be everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. even that word, like I hate saying like, oh, just be genuine, be authentic. But it's like, be real. Be just, like, we're not mm-hmm. even thinking about it. I think it's just like really like being warm to every single person that comes in. There's the book, Hug Your Customers. And, you know, you know we read that years ago and it's an amazing book if, you, if anybody hasn't read it and they work in customer service, but it, it really teaches you about, you know, doing the best to, to, you know, create customers that love your brand. And, you know, you're, you are every day kind of hugging your customers. I love that. I have to get that book. Oh my gosh. Preston. I don't have it. You know me, I'll talk to a customer for 73 hours and my team's like, okay, (laughs) like we don't have enough space in here. Hello. They need to leave. I mean, at the beginning it was sort of like that. We, you know, we, we got a lot of people talking for like hours and it's yeah i mean sort of like introducing you to the neighborhood or retail therapy is a real thing and it's it's like haha retail so therapy true. but also like therapy real therapy and yeah. you know th- there are times when we feel a little bit like therapists and we sort of you know af- at the end of the day we'll kind of talk about the interesting things that customers have told us that they acknowledge they've never told anybody else and it's like Okay, it's, I, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, how amazing that you feel that close to us that you can tell us these intimate details about your life. But I think that sort speaks of, volumes yeah, about your brand. I think it speaks volumes about the relationship that people have with you and your product. You know, I think, I think that's something really rare and amazing. I mean, so much in the fact that you guys were like, you know what, we're going to push it even further and open up another freaking store. Because you can't, you're unstoppable. I want to ask you about finding Dandy throwback because that's new to the street as of um, October um, 2021. And tell us about how the brand extended to yet another location, how it differentiates from the mother brand, the master father brand of finding Dandy, and what it's all about. Because I feel like everyone that listens to this podcast is going to be obsessed. I mean, we're still kind of figuring figuring out that. You know the, the how how we're gonna separate and you know differentiate one. Um, so so finding a throwback you know. is is more vintage vintage clothing items. Yep. A little less yep. dandy, a little more sort of contemporary. Right. Um, it kind of came <clears> about <throat> um, about a year ago in the pandemic when you know Enrique it was, a was pandemic baby for sure. Definitely sure. <laughs> baby. Um, yeah, Enrique was you know. I was sort of like out and about and trying to keep myself busy. And Enrique was sort of on Instagram, like yeah. becoming part of this community of like vintage, like t-shirts and like streetwear and whatnot. And, you know, you started doing these like auctions online. And yeah. It- I mean, I, I think for me, it was just missing the customers. You know, I'm a very mm-hmm. social person. I've always been in retail, you know, face, uh, facing, um, person facing um, jobs. And, I missed that. And, you know, as much as I hated uh, being in front of the camera, like right now, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, on Instagram, I, I love vintage t-shirts and I'm just like, I want in on this because this is sort of a community I need during the pandemic. I was kind of, go, you know, kind of going to the deep hole of like news and like I, I, I needed something positive. So, um, and I'm like, it brought me back to the nineties, the eighties, the stuff that I love and people yep. collecting and they're selling. And I'm like, I want to do that. I want to try that out and started doing a weekly, you know, auction and 
kind of just had you always had the handle the fine and dandy throwback instagram handle that was that or was that a pandemic baby too and that was what yeah so i started erupted. it yes i started it uh last year tw- uh, september 2020 um Got it. pandemic baby. <laughs> yeah for sure um and actually i remember that time because we were figuring out the name right i'm like okay i need something sort of like it's still fine and dandy let's keep the fine and dandy because in case we bring it to something else yep you know there's that brand recognition uh and then i, I want to and then, of course, you have to figure out what's taken or not taken, you know, on Instagram, which is the worst. A lot of things. The I've worst. Had so many good ideas that are gone, and I'm like, yeah, right. it was and they're mine. just not being used. Down. They're just someone yeah. else right. has claimed it. I'm actually sitting on like four other names, and I'm like, why isn't this taken? I just need to take this names. <laughs> oh my god, me too. To anyone listening, if you have an idea for anything, check the handle now and take it. I've got. I think I'm maxed out. I think you're only allowed five. Same. I have all five. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but amazing. yeah, throwbacks. To- just kind of rank pretty cool for us and also to what how we want to differentiate it from like, you know, the period dandy versus like less dandy, a little more modern fashiony. Right. Um, and, and when we say T-shirts, the, the, these these are like very sort of collectible, you know, oh, 70s, 80s, 90s T-shirts that it's, it's sort of shocking, like seeing how they've. Even besides you, the, this community yeah. has 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 like sold these these T-shirts for like hundreds and thousands of dollars, and the prices have gone up even just like a few months ago. Like you're wow. like a hundred dollars. We're all longing for nostalgia right now after such a Absolutely. rough couple years, or you know, last two years yeah. in COVID. We want things that make us feel happy. I think that's what it was. Um, you know, like uh, you know, we have military workwear, and it's just very kind of drab colorways, and like the pops you know people want the yep. bright colors and happy times that's why it made sense and i'm like that's what i want right now this this weekend i was talking with a college friend and telling her about finding a throwback and yeah. and explaining what that was and she said oh well my 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 son you know sleeps in this like 80s prince t-shirt and i was like my ears kind of perked up and i was like, like can we okay. have it? <laughs> and i was like what, what send a photo and we saw, saw the photo he freaked out he's like yep that's a 500 t-shirt that yeah. your, your son is, oh is sleeping in. yeah and and it's just like oh but there's holes as like bleach i'm like even better like that's, like, like, <laughs> that's yeah, what they want like valued at 700 dollars. like yeah i'll help oh you sell God. it i'm so so your space um it's directly next door to fine and dandy you're kind of yes. similar to what um we do at our um, Preston Conrad studio is that, you know, you use it as a workspace a couple days for the week, but then weekends are when you're there and you've got the the public in um, and you have a little phrase for your open hours that you've mastered that I'm just obsessed with. What is it again? Uh, it's so good. Um, weekdays um, by appointment or by chance. Or by <laughs> chance. I just think, again, it's so you guys and it's so personal. Like, I think that's what, like, the ways that you've, like, connected your brands together and they feel you. And uh, that's so, for people listening that are looking to extend a brand or maybe diffuse a part into a new brand, like, I think there's little things like that that you would never think about. Just the way you talk about your opening hours that feel like you guys and your business. You you haven't heard that expression by chance? Do you know our story where I got that? I stole stole it. So Provincetown, right? So he saw it um, at a art gallery in Provincetown, but I feel like I've seen it like all my life. I feel like little, like little, um, like antique ladies, like use that, 
that expression. So I, I get a chuckle out of it because I feel like Enrique is a little <laughs> antique lady now. But um, I, I, yeah, I, it's I, funny. I just lady. thought people knew had heard that before. I just remember that moment when I saw that we were walking through Provincetown and it's like maybe an art studio, like really cute, like artsy. I'm like, oh, my God, that's like that's, I want that. I, I know my life is made when I can have a shot. <laughs> open sense. by chance. Open you by know, chance. Catch me by chance. <laughs> but know? it's like such a brandable uh, little phrase that, you know, like I think speaks volumes about a brand's personality or the brand's DNA or what their beliefs are and, and how casual and fun and inviting the environment is. So um, people can come in and shop you uh, on the weekends in New York City. And will you continue to do your Instagram lives? Because I keep talking, we're actually chatting with someone from Instagram on the podcast. And, you know, the future for social is commerce, really. And do oh you see gosh. yourself yeah. still selling on Instagram? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when we opened back up, I couldn't do the weekly anymore. It was just so much, you know, being getting really busy here. And so I, I've, I'm still doing it once a month. So my next one is actually going to be this coming Monday. Um, oh you know, I, I set a date every every month. And I have, you know, a few people slots for 45 minutes, vendors, and we talk to each other and we, you know, take turns selling and it's, How it's fun. been fun. Yeah. That's amazing. You guys, I'm so proud of you. I feel like such oh a gosh. fan. I was such a fan of your brand. Guys, <laughs> um, Matt and Enrique actually are the the duo that convinced me to take MySpace on 49th Street because um, I was so in, in passionate about what they were doing. I have a couple questions that I ask every guest I want to ask you guys. Um, the first is, because I have many of these, but the first kind of brand memory any brand, brand memory that lives rent-free in your head, that that stuck with you, whether it's something that inspired your business or something that um, is nostalgic. But I think it's it's always nice to look at the the brands that, for some reason, are sticking with us, no matter if they're food, beverage, clothes. Is there one that sticks in your brain that kind of lives there rent-free? I mean, it's the it's that store in Bleecker, right? Which one? Um, Ralph Lauren, the, per, the the tailoring shop at Bleecker. Oh. Uh, I mean, close now. Yeah, but the it was RL. No, it was a tailoring shop. Oh, the tailoring I, mean, I just shop. remember oh, yeah. when we first came across it. Like, what is this thing? And we were taking so much photos. It was closed, but we were like, we need to take every photo. It was like a museum, you know. I mean, Ralph Lauren is sort of like your gateway to vintage, right? I mean, for <laughs> any dealer, any kind of retail person, you know, there's a great. Yeah. Ralph Lauren University that we all came from. So, but I think um, I think before we decided to launch a brand, I think it, we used to love going in like on a day off. We would love just to walk around the city and go into funky shops and just being. We were so inspired by by good retail. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I think that's what kind of you know got us excited about doing our own thing. I think that's exactly what it was, and I think people always say like, "How do you know what to do?" It's almost like we actually didn't have like like a list of what we wanted to do. It's just like, if anything, it was sort of like, what don't we, what didn't we like in a store? And that's, True. that's what we won't, wouldn't do in our own store. Well, like, yeah, we, we also are very uninspired sometimes and we'll, yeah. we'll leave a store and say, well, well, I didn't like that. Right. Know? Like so. they should just close. Like, you know, oh. kind of, you're like kind of, bo- you're kind of <laughs> bothering them You come in and, and they're like annoyed that you came in. I hate know? that. <laughs> it's my, I, like, being a chatty person myself, I hate that feeling when you're in a retail store and you don't feel welcome there. Like, I'm sorry. Any you know? tips <laughs> Any tips for anyone looking to open up a physical space, whether it's um, a pop-up shop or a, a brand of their own or uh, even down, I don't know, a hair salon? Any, a physical space is such a 
tricky thing to navigate. Any kind of like takeaways that are big tips you would give? I mean, definitely, definitely pop up shops. I mean, that's that's without a doubt. I mean, having as as we discussed before, having those sort of interactions to be able to talk to customers live and in person and and have them experience your brand like that that's that's a no-brainer so yeah. without yeah. investing into like you know getting yeah, into yeah, a yeah. or anything it's just a nice way to try things out right and you know we've for our brand everything has been very incremental mm-hmm. um you know we our initial investment was not a lot of money we didn't we don't have an investor you know i had a we had a little bit of money in the bank yeah. and um along yeah. the way we've we've just kind of we've made incremental changes yeah. and 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 maybe that's not right for some people maybe for some people it's, you know, walk to Fifth Avenue and, and you know, take out a, a huge lease and, and jump right in. But yeah. we've spent zero dollars. I mean, zero. Like, in, you, know, you know, even even the new space, we, we've you know, we 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 did it very sort of affordably. And and yep. and, you know, it, it's I think it's look you have to do what's right for you. But I, I we are b- big believers in, in incremental um, steps in building it gives you the control to you can really could feel in control that way and it doesn't feel like it's spiraling out you you know where the money's going and where you can expand to next and what your key areas of growth should be and i think that's a really smart strategy uh, but to your point everyone you know some people when they want to launch a brand go out raise a couple million dollars do it way xyz totally right. cool too but i think there's something really um humanizing about your brand that's special that's hard to find in other brands. Um, Thank you. We're running out of time, but I want to ask a question that um, is an interesting little thing we're going to start doing on the podcast, which is what branding question do you guys have for my next guest who you don't know who will be yet? Then I'm, I'm going to have it be a little connective thread throughout oh, the show that like, uh, what question could you ask the next guest about their brand or branding in general that you can find out the answer to on that episode? What makes your brand different than anybody else? Mm. T- today, Today with, you know, <clears throat> Shopify, all these e-commerce, anybody can have a brand mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. it, they make it like, you know, e-commerce like Shopify, they make it so easy. Too easy. Too easy. Yeah. So seriously. And, and, would, and it's, it's hard to be, to it's hard out. to stand out. To so, stand so out. what, what, what have you done that's cre- created your, how have you created your brand so that you are? What makes you different? What makes you different? What makes you different? I love that question. That's a really good one. I ask myself that all the time. Yeah. That's something that you should also, also, as a business owner, a brander, be constantly asking yourself because uh, people are hungry. People are opening up Shopify stores left and right. People are working with great logo designers left and right. And it's good to stay aware of what's going on and what keeps you special. Yeah, um, for sure. But Matt and Enrique, thank you so much. You guys, I'm so excited for Thanks finding any throwback. I'm going to come and Yay. shop and buy all my vintage tees. Um, and <laughs> if you guys are in New York City or happen to come and visit, what's the address of the OG flagship shop? So they're the same, same address. They're in the same oh, building. Same so oh, so it's 445 West 49th Street. So it's super easy. 445 West 49th Street. And you can find the guys on Instagram at Fine and Dandy, right? Fine and Dandy Shop. Fine. Finding any shop and finding any throwback. throwback. Amazing. Well, congratulations on everything. Thank you for getting me as a neighbor on your block. It's invaluable. (laughs) And I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Preston. Thanks, guys. For more on the show, you can find us on Instagram at BrandMePodcast or at Preston Conrad. Be sure, of course, to rate, review, and subscribe and share on social. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. 